Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 98, week 98, volume 98, number fucking 98. Hey going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Andrew from Johnny Booth and that will be coming up later in the show. So this week our album of the week and single of the week are both combined because both of them have come from The Warriors. This week The Warriors released a new single and that's called The Painful Truth. It also features Winston of Parkway Drive and they also finally released their comeback album which is titled Monomyth and it's out now through Pure Noise Records. I can't recommend the single or album enough. It's chock full of everything you want, big riffs, big breakdowns, lots of intensity. It's just the Warriors are back, and if you haven't yet heard this band, now is the perfect chance. Really, really great album. It's definitely come late in the year, but it's already made my definite top 10 of the year. So again, the band is the Warriors. The single is The Painful Truth, and the album is called Monomyth. Make sure you check that out on Pure Noise Records. Also this week, if you've got some time and you haven't heard our chat with Marshall, the vocalist from The Warriors, go back, delve into our catalogue. You'll find him on episode 87. So it's now time for feedback, bit of what's been going on. We heard from Jerry Guzman, hope I pronounced your name right, dude, and he gave us a bit of feedback, a bit of a comment, saying, just wanted to say that I really enjoy your podcast, great interviews, and I like your commentary as well. Going to listen to episode 98, which is the one with Byron of God Forbid, tomorrow. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you, Jerry. You're a fucking legend. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. It's great to know that you enjoy what we do, and it's also good to know that what we do ain't shit. So thank you, Jerry. Stick with us. Lots of great things coming up before the year ends, and of course, next year as well. Also got a bit of feedback on the Byron episode from Rowan, and he said, Fantastic pre-prepared questions, and you showed a great ability to be versatile and follow his flow when he went on tangents. It's a really fantastic interview by someone that I can tell either love the band or did their research well for the show. Probably both. Great chat, great execution, top marks. Thank you, Rowan. Thank you so very much for the feedback, the positivity, and also for enjoying the episode. I'm stoked that you enjoyed what we do. Also stoked that, you know, all the work I put in for the interviews, but also the passion I have for the interviews is coming across when you guys listen to it. Stoked, dude. Absolutely stoked. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Only other thing I got to do at the start of the show is the usual. Give the show a share if you've got some time this week on your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter. If you've got some time this week, tell someone about the show. Spread the word. And lastly, if you also have a spare minute, maybe two, give us a rating and review either on Facebook or iTunes podcasts. All of this kind of stuff is invaluable to us growing. We notice it and we're forever grateful when you guys do it. Enough of the ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber. Let's kick into the part of the show we're all tuned into for. This week, I got to sit down with Andrew of Johnny Booth. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. 
Johnny Booth are one of those bands that I think some people might know, some people mightn't know, and really exciting band. There's so much going on in their music, but they're also a really exciting band because they are a digital band who sometimes play live. So great opportunity to get some exposure on not only Andrew, but the band, and a great in-depth conversation. That chat with Andrew is coming up now. So I usually start off with kind of the same question for everyone, which is when growing up, do you remember an artist or a musician? Not necessarily heavy, but do you remember something that awakened your world to music being something in existence? Oh, for sure. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't really listen to a lot of music until I hit, you know, like the early preteen stage, you know, like the 12 to 13 around then. And I first listened to um, Minor Threat, Seeing Red, I believe was the the first song. And that's when I was, you know, before that, it's all like your parents' music or whatever stuff they're listening to, like classic rock and things like that. But when I first listened to that, and I realized, like, I like music, and it connects to me and, and how I'm feeling. Like, you know, it's a, the first time I actually felt represented in any way by a, by a song. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled into, like, no effects and, you know, all kind of the 80s hardcore realm. Um, Bad Brains was a huge one for me. Um, you know, I, I definitely have, like, my own, you know, I'm more into punk and, like, early hardcore than I think a lot of the other people in my band. But I think that's why we work so well, is we're all into different stuff. Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, it connected to you and kind of spoke to you, and in what way did it connect? I mean, what was, was it just the message that Minor Threat throw down <clears throat> at you, or what specifically I think it was in? the raw anger, man. They were just, it felt so legitimate of how, like, when you're pissed off, like, I felt like it just represented how I actually felt. I, I grew up feeling lots of anger. And it's funny because I didn't grow up, like, poor or, or really, you know, I have a good family. Me and my parents have a great relationship. But I always had this kind of anger and maybe an over-self-awareness as a child. So I was very aware of myself, um, socially, how I fit in and stuff like that. All that stuff kind of weighed on me very early. And I didn't know how to express myself, you know, um, in a, you know, a constructive way, you know? Mm. So I I was always just kind of like this ball of anxiety and anger for, you know, the earlier stages of my life. I'd in and out of therapy very, very young. Um, Only till later when I got older was I diagnosed with being bipolar, which was like, you know, changed my world, finally been able to kind of like overcome some of those things. But growing up being bipolar and not knowing that you're bipolar, um, it really, really affected me. And when I found angry music, fast, angry music, man, it changed everything for me. I was able to really identify with it. And I think that's kind of why I do what I do. I hope that um, what I do, I can do that for someone else. You know, it's always been about legacy for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hopefully what I do lives longer than me. And there's another, you know, pissed off 13-year-old kid who's similar to me. And he listens to it and he's able to identify it and use it in a constructive way. That's got to be that's gotta be quite difficult um, growing up. You know, it's, it's one thing to uh, acknowledge and kind of 
look back in hindsight, but being, you know, angry, I think a lot of people can kind of connect with, but also having to deal with, you know, seeing therapy and, you know, kind of basically in a way as a teenager being told you're not quite right. I mean, that must have been difficult to deal with. Um, I'm not really, because honestly, I was a lot of self-identifying. You know, I literally asked my parents to take me to therapy when I was a wow. kid. I mean, they took me super young because I would I'd talk about like death and weird, like shit I shouldn't be talking about as a child. And then as I got older, you know, I didn't realize that I was basically having manic episodes. Ooh. But I was aware of the fact that I wasn't, like my my thinking was distorted and I would act very irrationally. And I, there were moments where I had where I was, like, super aware of the fact that this was happening. So as a kid, I, I remember being seven years old and literally telling my mom, like, hey, I, I think I need to talk to someone. And uh, honestly, that, that stuff has been the years and years of therapy is probably the major reason why I'm so well-adjusted, <laughs> or at least I think I am somewhat well-adjusted <laughs> as, a, like, an adult. So, I you know, I think it's it really helped me out a lot, but it took years of me kind of going through that and, and using music as uh, it almost becomes a part of your self identity. Right. You know, mm. um, when I found it, I felt like, you know, I identified more with being into punk rock than I did my own ethnicity, religion, community, my, even my own family to a certain degree. I, you know, I identified more with the music and based a lot of my, my thoughts on morality and, and right and wrong more off of like being in the punk scene and, and, you know, identifying with the music than yeah. anything else. But that's part of, I mean, also like you touched on there, that's one thing that, you know, the, not just the punk, punk rock, the hardcore, and also in some ways the metal, it, it is a sense of community. Mm-hmm. It's a sense of welcoming, you know, everyone despite their color, race, background, problems into this place where, you know, you're not alone. Every everyone else is just as fucked up as you. Yeah, that's why I always I loved it. You know, I felt like I found more of like a, you know, the family you choose type of thing. Um, it becomes more of like how you identify yourself and how how you think about yourself. It, it, it kind of implants into your DNA in some way. And again, that's kind of why I do what I do. I hope that I could provide the same thing that these artists did for me and you know, help people through the, this thing that I, you know, I, I haven't felt like through my life I've excelled at too many things, but this, I felt like I've been able to be okay at it. And, and hopefully other people, when they hear it, they, they can identify and kind of incorporate that into their self-identity in some way. What was it like in the house with music? Was music, you know, a big thing in your household growing up? And the second part of that, what was, your folks' reaction to the kind of music you were listening to? Growing up, I was like kind of an art kid. So there was a lot of me drawing and stuff like that. But my my parents weren't like overly into music. You know, they listened to stuff here and there, but they weren't really like into music or the arts themselves. But they were incredibly supportive. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a family that's very understanding of, you know, just the person that I, I am. And, um, especially back then, you know, they, they let me dress and do pretty much whatever I needed as long as I wasn't hurting myself or other people, you know, they, they set those kind of ground rules for me. But, um, in terms of the type of music I was listening to, they didn't 
necessarily like it or listen to it, but I never really caught any flack from them. Um, so I, I felt truly fortunate um, for that. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, the kind of upbringing you had family-wise is exactly what everyone dreams of and, and wants, and and some of us are lucky to have had it. So, I mean, that, that also helps lead you to where you end up today. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I do feel truly lucky in that way. So what about, you know, you mentioned you were into drawing and stuff. So what was it like for you um, in high school? Were you looking at music as a possible career or were you looking down, you know, without going too far forward, we know, you know, anyone that follows you on social media or, or follows a band knows kind of what you're into now, but where were you in your final phase of high school with your career? Career? Honestly, I was very, just a lost person, I think, like in terms of that stuff. Um, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I always thought like art or design, and that's that's my field now. I do work at, in graphic design, so it did kind of pan out that way. But in terms of music, honestly, I, was, I wasn't in a band pretty much all of high school. Um, like the, the kids, the, the two guitarists in, in my band, Adam and Ryan, I've known them for most of my life and we were all into different music. We were always friends, but we never played in the band together, you know, um, up until this, like Johnny Booth is really like my first band. And then we just kind of kept it going. I think partially because like the guitarist Ryan, I've known him since I was literally three. He grew up three houses away from me. We lived on the same block. And Adam, the guitarist, I I met him in middle school, something like that, you know? So, you know, I've always kind of had like a strong connection with them and uh, a strong friendship, but we didn't start playing music together until first year of college, which is interesting, but. I mean, what was, you know, what was that like getting into it? I mean, first, first thing with getting into it. Um, did you consider at any stage trying an instrument or was it literally vocals are what I'm going to try? Well, like I, I, like I played in like a high school band, you know, like I played, I played alto sax, you know, and I, I, I tried playing guitar for a little while, you know, I, I played guitar, but not like in a project or in a band. Like I played guitar for a while. Um, actually me and Ryan had the same guitar teacher and me, Ryan and Adam all took music theory together in high school, but I just never, it just wasn't my thing. Like it was very frustrating being in, you know, a group of friends like them. And and we have lots of other friends that are musicians and, you know, I was always not even close to being as good as they were, you know? And then we used to, we started making joke songs, started making like these stupid, funny songs on garage band. (laughs) um at adam's house when we were when we were you know late high school that's kind of when it first started as like a joke and then um when they went to college they wrote a few riffs and during that phase is when we realized that i could scream it's not something that i really thought i was capable of or even tried but they were like hey just give it give it a go you know and i i did and i i liked it they were into it and then we've just kind of been doing it ever since just kind of it's all of it kind of just happened by accident it wasn't like this planned thing you know i wasn't like doing it for years and it just sort of they're like hey i think you could try to do this and i i did and um they've really supported me a lot and um developed a decent amount from those early demos for sure in terms of range and uh melissa cross was a huge part of that as well 
I mean, have you have you gone through a stage with some people who get into being a vocalist? Was there ever a stage where you were not happy with how you sounded, or have you always been okay with how you sounded? Because for some people, hearing themselves can be quite um, an annoying thing. You know that perfectionist thing of like, well, I don't really like that. I wish it sounded like that. Um, I guess because I came from punk and I really wasn't like super into the genre until I started playing it. So I was always like, you know, they, they, their opinion of it kind of mattered almost more to me than, than mine in the beginning. And like kind of as it developed and as we grew, that's when I really started being like, oh, I, I really wish like my range was better. And, you know, I think you always, maybe it just comes from being a designer too. Like I truly feel like everything and anything can be approved upon. Um, I think critiques are really important. So, you know, I always try to push it. Um, and, and, you know, they introduced me to Melissa Cross, um, her DVDs, and that's really where my range opened up. You know, I, I, was, I just knew how to do high screams <laughs> in the beginning. I sounded extremely different. Like, I think if I showed you some of those early demos, like I, you can hear my age. Like, you can literally <laughs> hear the 19-year-old me <laughs> in there, you know. I sound 19. And then what about with, you know, before Melissa Cross? I mean, were you ever uh, losing your voice? Were you ever reaching a point where it was starting to hurt? Because the thing with Melissa Cross is it teaches you not to do that. But what about beforehand? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit here and there. You know, I wasn't really losing my voice. Was I, I didn't know how to, like, advance. You know, I, I felt like I got to a point where I knew how to scream without hurting myself for the most part, but um, not do, being able to do r- different ranges, get, going lows and highs. And um, it's something I'm still working on, obviously, and, and I'd like to incorporate more melody into my screams. So that's something I'm working on now. And she's, she's been helping me out with that as well. Um, the big thing for me was stage performance. You know, we started as like a college party band. Basically, you know, um, going from that to playing on stages is really different. And I used to get really winded. I used to physically run and just do a lot physically. And I, they're the first like four years we were a band. I, I puked after every single show, like <laughs> every single show, sometimes live. Some people will attest to it, um, probably turn some people off. <laughs> for sure <laughs> back then you know it's not the coolest thing to puke in front of a bunch of people but um uh, it's really hard to be embarrassed at this point in my life <laughs> you know I've, I've puked in front of a decent amount of people so i i i, I you know you got to roll with it <laughs> the show must go on man well i mean it's also it could have it could have turned into a bit of a gimmick you could have said you know come and watch us play yeah. and watch our vocalist puke on stage yeah, I think it. I think it was rapidly becoming that. Like that was probably on the verge of a reality of being like a thing. But um, it it's pretty taxing on your body <laughs> to <laughs> scream, run, and vomit. <laughs> so yeah, I try to uh, avoid that the best I can now. And I've actually done a really good job at kind of like adjusting to a stage versus like just running around a party and acting like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, you found the medium level of, you know, maintaining for a whole set, but also making sure you still put on a good show because you have to find that fine line. You know, you don't want to just stand still for yeah. half an hour, 45 minutes. For sure, yeah. And I think 
in the beginning, I really loved the germs a lot. Like, I really loved that stage performance of him just, like, just being a fucking animal and not even caring about what he was doing at all. Like, it's almost like um, everything kind of ties into art and design for me, almost like a Jackson Pollock painting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar at all, but um, for him, it was more about the act of creating the art, not really the end result. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I looked at it for a long time is like, I'm just throwing fucking paint at the wall, man. Like I really wasn't thinking about how it came off overall, like the sound or any, I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. I was just pressing go, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, my band honestly critiquing the crap out of me and, and, you know, at some points being harsh with me, I think has been um, really helpful. And I think we finally found a, a, you know, a happy medium between the two, be trying to sound more like the album. And as we get more exposure, you know, people know the words you want to, you know, people actually know who we are now to a certain degree. And I want to do right by them. I want them to feel like they came and saw a show and it was like worth it. You know, I don't want to make people feel like it. They came and I, I just kind of acted like a crazy person. It wasn't really like worth going to see yeah um, yeah you so want, i think like kind of evolving yeah. into an actual <laughs> band is basically what i'm saying you know uh, i guess i wasn't like an actual front man until like much later into it so you know thanks to everyone in my band for sticking with me <laughs> <laughs> i find you know one thing i have noticed um with the trajectory of the band and the art that you guys are creating and the art in every sense of you know the music videos and the social media presence, um, it definitely feels like art and creativity is a big part of it. Is part of that because you guys are like from New York? It kind of feels, and, and from an outsider looking in, it feels like you guys um, have that vibrant, you know, New York feel to you. You know, you don't see a lot of bands that have this tinge to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think it's like an intentional thing. Um, you know, like me and Adam both work in design. Ryan works in marketing. And I think we just started listening to our instincts. And actually, you know, everything you see, all the videos and everything, a lot of it is us. You know, we, we've finally gotten comfortable with people like, actually shooting it and editing it for us. But even the earlier videos before our first-hand accounts, a lot of them, like, we even shot ourselves. Um you know, we've always been super involved in that way. Um, and this year has been pretty amazing with us finally, you know, keeping in touch with people and trying to make things visually interesting. And, and it's fun for us. It's like a project that I get to work on um, that's fun. And it's not for, for money or it's not for a client, you know, because that, that's a lot of my regular day life. And in terms of the New York thing, I, I it's interesting because when we first started, you know, we've kind of jumped around a little bit we were we started in oneonta which is like four hours away from where we are now still in new york but kind of rural um really different than where we're all from and we started kind of like an upstate almost like an albany band and then when we moved back home after college we became the band that you see now we became like a long island band and um for whatever reason i i don't know it's kind of been mounting over time in the beginning there really wasn't a lot of bands and you know, the, the venues started to close and, you know, the same old story, what happens to every scene inevitably, right? There's always like a, a shelf life to 
to everything, but I feel like it ebbs and flows. And, and for whatever reason, Long Island is on an upswing right now, man. It's There's a ton of bands coming out, all from this area, people that we've known for years. Everyone's pushing, everyone's doing really good, and it's awesome to finally see like a real community here. Like We all support each other. Um, everyone's super friendly with each other. I, I actually truly feel a part of it. Um, it. It's kind of that sense of community. I've always kind of looked for it, but I think as I got older and as the music scene here kind of ramped up, like I, I think Johnny Booth finally feels like we have like a home um, for the first time. I feel like this year is like the first time we felt truly accepted by our peers, the community where we're actually from. You know, I think we always had this attitude of being outsiders for whatever reason. I think maybe part of it was our own attitude. I mean, we kind of changed a lot as people um, in the last few years. So I think that that also has helped for sure, you know, not being so pessimistic. What was uh, but It's you, been interesting. New York is popping right now. Well, you mean you mentioned in there about, you know, the ebbs and flows of scenes and areas. So when the band formed... Was it around 2007, 2008? Is that right? Yeah, 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 man. So yeah. it's kind of crazy. So we've been through a lot of like weird stages and we've had some member changes. And But, the, you know, me, Ryan, and Adam have always been a part of the band. But, um, yeah, it's been interesting and an interesting ride because there's a few gaps. Like we started in 2007. Like this was when our first, our first practice was in 2007. Our first show was in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then there, you know, we were going strong for a while up until our our full length connections came out, and then um, a little bit of a hiatus, some internal uh, conflicts, um, and then we we kind of had like a few of those kinds of issues. So um, we've had some weird ups and downs as a band, and I've seen I've seen the same thing here. You know, Albany, upstate New York, had a really vibrant scene um, when we first started, and Long Island was. Um, kind of on a downswing, I'd say, and it's kind of flipped a little bit now. I think Albany and starting to come back up, but Long Island is just, you know, we're we're on an upswing right now. So I'm trying to support everyone that I can and, and go to shows and just be a part of it. You know, I just enjoy it while you can. You know, nothing, truly, nothing lasts forever, and I, I always try to think that. You know, don't get attached to anything, but be in the moment and enjoy it while you can. Well, you meant you know you mentioned in there when the band started out and there was a bit of an upswing in the scene. And what was it like for Johnny Booth getting shows at the start? Was it pretty easy for you guys, um, kind of getting your foot in because you started out with the EP? Um, and mm-hmm. what happened for you guys? Was it uh, grinding to get shows? Were you finding that you get a show and then that would help you get another show? What was the early say first year for you guys like yeah the first year like once we put that ep out and i wouldn't even say we really put it out we just physically put it on like myspace you know and 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 we're like all right it's released you know there's no real concept of like a release show and Mm. marketing it we had no concept of that stuff we were always you know part of the scene part of this music is like who you know and and we weren't really like people who networked or like did that type of thing. So in the beginning, it was just grinding, man, just trying to get shows as much as we could. We played a lot in upstate New York, a lot in Vermont, as much as we could. 
um, just a lot of grinding. Um, and I think we, we worked, like we learned a lot from that stage as a band, you know, I think the, the approach we have now, which is, you know, digital heavy and, um, very conscious of like how we spend our money, how we spend our time. Um, before it was just kind of like, go, 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 go. And we didn't really think about the emotional Mm -hmm. and physical toll that that has on people. And I think that's what happens to a lot of bands. It's very common when you're young to just like grind, 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 grind. And then you're like, oh, I haven't taken care of myself. You know, my financial situation is trash. I, I don't have a career. You know, I think it's, and that's normally when bands, I think, typically break up. So I, I'm, I'm just happy we were able to kind of like weather the storm and, and adjust and change as we become adults. You know, I started this band when we were we were kids. And now we're all, you know, like my drummer has a baby and he's an adult and we're all adults mm. and have careers. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, this part, this, this band has kind of like been a part of my life and forced me to grow as a person, which I, I think it's been pretty amazing just personally, even if that we, you know, had two followers, like it's still, I think I, I've seen so much personal growth just from like <laughs> making so many mistakes. Well, I mean, and that's... not taking care of myself and then being able to look back and like, all right, like, you know, what, where, where can I improve? Well, I mean, that's, that's the important stage, you know, of the early years of the band is not only the personal mistakes on the toll on your life, your health, but also the mistakes you make in a band. Um, and then, as you said, it kind of makes or breaks you as an artist, you know, you either learn from those and evolve and shift things in the way they should be, or you keep making the same mistakes and then just you fall flat on your face. Yep. Yep, exactly. You know, I think, um, once we decided to start listening to our instincts and stop, you know, worrying about, I think a lot of bands get caught up in, you know, you try to solicit people for help and support. And we live in a really awesome time where, uh, a man from Australia can message me on Instagram <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm talking to him on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like half, a lot of the business we do, like I'm just messaging people on Instagram and, and worrying about how we're presenting ourselves and everything else has kind of just kind of fallen into place. You know, we wrote this album almost in a vacuum. <laughs> we had a few years of like not really doing anything and just meeting up, you know, a few times a week and just grinding out songs and, you know, just trying to have fun with it. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting, interesting ride. And I think, um, nowadays you have all this really awesome technology. So I, I think use it, you know, um, you could do a lot on your own and get yourself pretty far without having to solicit and worrying about who's answering your emails back. And, you know, people don't tell you that there's an emotional pull that comes with it, especially if you really truly care you know, when you're reaching out to people in the early stages of every band, you, you don't get, people don't answer you back. People ghost you, you know, that show didn't go as well as you thought it would. There's all those like little disappointments that kind of start to add up. And it's just because you, you care about what you're doing. And I think um, a lot of people get defeated and then we've just chosen to be like, all right, let's look at this objectively, listen to our best instincts and worst case scenario, everything in our lives stay the same. So let's just like, go for it and that's what this whole year has been about and it's been um amazing well yeah those disappointments are very similar to you know like when you apply for a job you know you go for a job you mm -hmm. apply and 
some people get back to you, some people ignore you, some people ghost you. It, it's, you know, I, I've i also gone through that with a band, but I go through it with the podcast. You know, it's, um, mm-hmm. it, it is strange that, you know, the disappointments are felt, but it is the determination that clearly you and the guys had that was like, look, I know this shit, you know, knocks us down for a bit. We're going to dust off. And you look at the determination brings you to the phenomenal year you've had, the phenomenal album you've released. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. I think, um, if there's any advice I can give anyone is roll with the punches, man. You know, no one, no one cares about your personal stuff, you know, Mm. like if something really bad happened to me and we weren't able to post as much or do certain things, like no one's really going to care, you know, like, you got to just roll with the punches and don't get attached to anything. Don't take things personal and just keep pushing in the ways that you can, you know, revolve things around your life, be realistic. And I think um, that at least that's, that's what's worked for us. Now, going back a little bit, back to a bit more of the history of the band, you know, you mentioned it earlier. They had, um, you went from the EP to connections Um, from that. You rolled into another one. There was a big gap between the EP and Connections, yeah. um, four years. So, mm-hmm. what what happened during that period? And then when you got into Connections, um, what was that like for you guys to finally get a full length out? It's it's interesting, you know. Like each and in between um, our first EP and Connections, we actually wrote a full EP. Um, the studio we scheduled actually got flooded and then we just Mm. deleted all those songs and we have a tendency to do that. We probably have multiple albums worth of music and, you know, we scrap them for parts, for riffs. We always say that, scrap it for parts. You know, we, we, um, have a tendency to do that, but, you know, from the EP to Connections, it was pretty interesting time because it was like that crescendo that you want to see in a band, right? You put an EP out, you grind, you get more popular and then you put a full length out. We had Tommy Rogers from between the bear and me mm-hmm. on that album. We recorded with Jamie King. It, it felt like, like, Hey, maybe this is going to become something, you know? And, um, unfortunately there is some internal stuff, you know, we lost members, you know, I don't necessarily want to go into all the reasons why mm-hmm. <laughs> that stuff happened. Cause it's a little personal, but, um, uh, there's, I, I could say that it's just a lot of personal issues between some of us and, um, unfortunately we lost some members. Maybe there, there was a little back and forth, you know, people kind of coming and going and that, that period you talk about kind of between the bronze age, which the bronze age felt like a really transitional EP for us. We even during, in the moment when we were talking about it, when we released it, it felt like a transitional EP for us. You know, like mm-hmm. we were going through a weird time that that EP was very difficult for us to record. Um, that was kind of like the downfall of a lot of, um, internal stuff and, and the reformatting of the band, the way that it is now, I would say we kind of died and were reborn because of the events that happened during that album, releasing that album. Um, we were on a label at the time too. So just kind of going through that whole process of getting on a label and, you know, like I said, having Tommy Rogers on a song and having actual releases and going on tour and, and then everything kind of just completely falling apart, to be honest, you know, everything around us just 
collapsed. And that's typically when you as a band, you just kind of say, fuck it. Hmm. Um, and we, we, we internally call that four year gap, the dark period. <laughs> we, we've been talking about putting out like a Johnny Booth timeline, <laughs> um, like a little zine or something I think could be cool. And we always talk like in the timeline, we just, just blackness, you know, <laughs> cause that, during that time we didn't have a drummer. We didn't have a bassist, uh, not a full-time one at least. So we, it was really me, Adam and Ryan. We still had a practice space. We lost the van, we lost the trailer. Um, and we just started over basically just rethought the entire thing. So me, Adam and Ryan basically just like the first half of that album we wrote, uh, on our own. And then we got Scott, which he lives in Albany. So he's three hours away from us, which is interesting dynamic to have, um, a drummer that's not here. Like when we practice, it's a lot of like, um, computer stuff you know we don't really practice as a full band on a weekly basis um so once we got scott that's when we decided to start recording we're like screw it right let's just let's just put something out who knows what will happen but it makes us happy you know like Mm. i like doing it so let me just try right um and then halfway through the recordings when we got nick our new bassist and um it's been, like I said, it's been interesting. It's been a wild ride. We've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of changing of the guard, I guess, and, and rethinking the band. But for whatever reason, you know, me, me, Ron, and Adam, we've been close friends for a long time. We just never wanted to, never stop making music. Like, even if no one heard the music and we put it out and it, we didn't know if people were going to receive it well or anyone was going to listen at all. You know, this was the first time we didn't have a label. We had no backing. Um, I think if it wasn't for the technology we have now, it maybe not have gone anywhere, honestly, but I don't ever want to stop doing it. Even just selfishly for me, I, I genuinely just like doing it. So, well, it um, does, it sounds, it sounds like the band is, you know, literally a new beast on firsthand accounts. Mm -hmm. Obviously there is, you know, there's been member changes, things that happen and, you know, the loss of time and, possibly a loss of momentum, but the band musically on first-hand accounts sounds energized. I mean, the stuff that's going on in that album, um, to an outsider, if you said, you know, there is cross-genre influences, there's like some start-stop rhythm stuff going on, there's chaotic moments, there's crushing melodies. Some people would go... Oh, I don't know. That, that sounds like too much going on. But then you play it, and mm-hmm. it seems to work. I mean, creatively, did you guys just go in with all of these ideas and say, "Look, let's just see if it melds," or did you intentionally put all of these ideas together? Because it sounds like it was meant to be. Yeah, we always thought like we we love to reference other genres and just other. things things just in general like even like i've said a lot of things kind of tie to design for me and adam but you know a lot of the posts you see or the things we put out visually you know me and adam design everything and you know a lot of times we're referencing non-metal sometimes not even music things you know i think that's why sometimes they come out a little more unique or, or we try to at least you know who knows if it actually um comes out that way but musically yeah we've always kind of wanted to marry heavy music which is kind of the one genre that's tied us all in with all of the other things that we all personally like that's different you know i didn't grow up listening to metal 
but Ryan, who's been, you know, my best friend since I was three years old, he grew up listening to Metallica and Megadeth and, you know, he was shredding on guitar, playing solos and stuff like that. You know, when we were super young, you can kind of see a mix between, you know, a lot of the different genres. And we want to try to do that a little more. It's, you know, every album I think we put out is a little closer to the album we have in our head. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's like the sound you have in your head that you want to put out. And every album we put out, it's a little closer to that. I think this was obviously the closest, you know, that we've ever gotten to like what we have in our heads. But, you know, we've been thinking we're we're already ramping up to, to record more music. I think um, the plan is to just kind of keep, keep recording, keep putting music out, keep doing the visual stuff, you know, because all that stuff I have control over. I think that's the biggest thing for us is focus on the things you have control over. We can keep writing, we can keep recording, we can keep designing stuff and putting videos out on our own. We don't need anyone for that stuff. So I think it's been um, super, super helpful for that stuff. I feel like I went on a tangent a little bit. (laughs) Hey, that was a good tangent. I like tangents, man. Don't ever ever worry about tangents. Um, Yeah, did you at any stage with first-hand accounts consider linking up to a label you know you mentioned you'd been on one previously but was it ever a thought in your mind that we go with a label or did you really think which I think is smart like as you said you're very internal you guys know how to control things and you control things well with your presence everything was that the idea that look we can do this ourselves we can really make an impact ourselves we don't need a label yeah that was the honestly from the very beginning of starting to even write this record and just all the experiences that we had previously were like, why, why get, get in debt and then have someone else manage your music who might mismanage it. You know, you see that all the time with bands where they're like, Oh yeah, they, they put our video out at, you know, 4 PM and they didn't even announce it or tell anyone, you know, like stupid crap like that. Like, you know, we just realized that it's not about that for us anymore. It's not about, you know, you know, the validation stuff. I think that's, that's the one thing we decided to just kind of drop completely is like the labels trying to get on websites, trying to get, you know, interviews and, and, you know, actively trying to do all these things. Um, you know, we just decided to just focus on the things we have control over and all the other stuff kind of came on its own with it, you know? Well, it seems like the organic, um, buzz, I mean, if that's the word we're going to use there, like the organic buzz that you guys created before the album released and when the album released and since um, has to have it your, your hat tip to because, as you said, you know, it's the reception to it has probably exceeded your expectations. Um, you know, look, I mean, you're speaking to someone from Brisbane, Australia about it. Um that's yeah. you know crazy. It, it's um it's kind of a thing of how did you guys go about doing that i mean where was your tactics with getting it out was it still the same do some shows and do it that way or did you mix it up because it looks like you mixed it up with the presence on social media the marketing the shows yeah digital yeah digital man that's it we we really like you know it might seem like we've been doing a lot of shows but we we only play shows that we feel are are worth it, you know, and, and tour on things that we think are doable for us. And we decided 
because that's the emotional toll stuff. You know, like people don't see the the personal money that you put into the van and you drive around for three months, you know, on an awesome tour. But sometimes you come back and maybe you saw some growth, but not the same amount of growth you could have if you, you know, were running ads, not the same amount of growth if you spent that entire time, that entire budget into that van on something else visual for people to see online. I can reach way more people and I'll never be able to grind like that. Like I said, I have a career. Um, if I, if someone offered me something legit and we were able to like make a career out of this, awesome. But, you know, I can't plan on that at this stage of my life. Um, I think the digital thing was, you know, very intentional. You know, we talked about it the whole time, um, how we're, again, just do the things you have control over. Don't sweat the stuff that you, you don't have control over. Just don't even bother with it. So, um, we've been almost mostly a digital band. You know, we, we do play shows. We, we got out, we went out on tour with Cryptodeer and Moontooth, two bands from Long Island who are absolutely killing it right now. Um, and they've been our buddies for a really long time. Super proud of what they've been able to do. Um, but we have different paths. We're different people, you know, and I think the digital stuff has more reach and is more doable for us. You know, um, it's just, it's just something I have way more control over. Well, I think also you guys are smart with your social media. You know, you nowadays with social media, you need a presence, which you guys clearly have, but you also need to be smart and savvy about it. You've got to put out things mm-hmm. at the right time and you need to put out enough. You don't need to flood it all the time, but you need to put something out, but not just something out for the sake of being out. You need to kind of really manipulate and use it to your advantage don't just constantly flood photos monday to friday just of a a random live photo it's do things smart Mm -hmm. and you guys are very smart with your social media presence yeah you know i um we're very intentional i would say you know we we don't just um arbitrarily throw things out there um we we do think about what we're doing and and i think part of it is because we like me ryan and adam we do work in the industry you know, I, we work in, in design and marketing. So uh, I've been able to, I'm, I'm literally going to work and doing the same type of stuff for companies and, and stuff like that. And then when I come home, I get to do it for myself. So it's it kind of, you know, because we're kind of living it all the time. I think we just sort of picked up things along the way. You know, we're like, oh, this, this one kind of marketing strategy could work for a band. Or, you know, you see all these different things as we have progressed in our personal careers, which I think has been super helpful. And, and also the, the new members too, you know, Nick and, and Scott, um, being younger, being fans of the band previously, and honestly just having great attitudes. We kind of re-energized us, I think. Um, and, and kind of that, that's, that's kind of what helped with pushing our social media stuff up again, like really like just, just throwing stuff out there and not thinking too much about it anymore. And, you know, just, just putting yourself out there. And, and like you said, you know, the, the band feels kind of revitalized. And I, uh, I think part of that is because of the, the newer members and, and them being um, hungry. With, um, you know, you mentioned um, you guys are kind of a digital band. You know, you play shows sometimes. Yeah. Um, you don't always play shows. Oh, yeah, we definitely shows. play shows, but not yeah. like, not like um, a Non-stop touring, band, you know? yeah. Yeah. Is, is there ever... Um, do you ever feel the pressure to get out and do a tour and, you know, hit 
yep. <laughs> 30 days in, you know, 30 dates in 40 days or whatever. I mean, is do you do you want to do that? Is there any element of you or is it, like you said, you want to be safe about this because you've seen the problems that this can create? I for sure want to do that. I can see those things happening for us and us, you know, doing the things that I think the fans, they want us to go out and tour. They want us to see us in, in their hometowns. And I, you know, maybe for the first time in, in reality, we actually have fans in other places, you know? Um, but it's, again, it's a, it's, um, I understand the emotional pull that comes with it. And I don't think it's fair to, um, put, put us out there for, you know, a few months or, or try to do that 30 day tour when we're not ready, um, emotionally or at home to do it. And then, and then we fall apart. You know, I think longevity is my main focus and keep putting music out is, is so vital to what we do that the last thing that I want to happen is us go out on a shoddy 30 day tour and, and it kind of like blow up in our face a little bit, I think. Um, and maybe some of that's just, um, residual from our past experiences. And I, I like I said, I, I do see that in our future. And then, you know, there are things in the work to doing a little bit more of that kind of stuff, but we just want to be smart about it. I think when, when you're, when you're younger, when you're a kid and you're doing this, you, you say yes to everything, right. You know, you want to, I'll go on that tour. I'll do that. And, and then next thing you know, you know, like you're missing your grandma's funeral. You're missing, um, you know, that job interview, you know, next thing you know, your, your career is full blown stunted by this stuff. And I think it's important that we're able to survive all the money, all the videos you see, like we're all completely self-funded. And obviously the fans have helped us a lot um, through merch and everything. They've um, truly been amazing at it, but, I want to still be able to put content out. So we'll definitely play more shows. I think you'll see like a slow ramp up, you know, we're not going to just jump into it and then um, fall on our face. Cause that's kind of what happened before. And I think being smart about it, keeping up with the digital presence, putting music out that people can enjoy. That's really the main goal. You know, the, the shows reinforce that stuff. So I think um, the more we put out, the more demand there is, the better chance that we go out for something uh, more legit. If that makes sense. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think it, it is the right way of doing things. Something also I find interesting that you mentioned there, and I think it's really interesting because of the landscape of the world that we're in, and that's about getting out, making sure there's always content, whether that's uh, music, videos, that kind of content. Um, from your career with, you know, graphic and all of this designing and then with your musician stuff, do you see that the way the world is that it always needs more, 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 that you can't just say, right, I released an album in 2019, it went really well, now we can just sit back for two years. Is it? Is it now the pressure is... Yes, that came out in 2019, but now in 2020, I have to give him something else. Yeah, no, I think that, and I think part of it's just the time period that we're in, you know, like Dillinger Escape Plan toured on Calculating Infinity for like four years, I think, something yeah, like that. It was, yeah. You know, and I think back then you could do that, you know, like times are different. And that's kind of ties back to what I was saying before, like, don't get attached to shit, roll with the punches. Like, that's not the world we live in right now. You know, people need fresh content on a regular basis, you, the best thing to do about the band is you got to think of it almost like a little creative marketing company, like, you know, where you're the client, 
but you got to just keep keep producing even if it's just a picture of you guys hanging out or you know something just you but yeah i do i do feel like we even thought i think that's probably why it took us a little longer than we would have liked to put the album out because we knew once it comes out and we start the only way for this to really survive is to just continue indefinitely so i think there is a little like getting prepared for that because there's a huge coming out of again the dark times where you know there's really no uh maybe i don't want to call it pressure but there's no like you know expectation for us to really do anything you know i'm sure people just thought we were long gone at that point but um now that we were on and this year has been truly amazing like now there there's expectations for us to like keep doing things and i think the world we live in now it's it's you know, you can put something out that's great now, but in a year from now, who gives a crap? You know, like mm. that's just objectively how it is. And I, whether I like it or not, I accept that that's the way that it is. So yeah, like um, we're already working on new music. Love to get in the studio probably around March. Um, get some more music together and get you know another another plan together for some new releases. Surely the the downside to that is the pressure and expectation that um, not only get new stuff out, but then you don't want to just put it out for the sake of putting it out. You want to maintain the quality control in a way. So is there any Definitely. is there any extra pressure and expectation that you put on yourselves for the next thing that you release, whether it's a single, an EP, an album, whatever it is? Mm. I think um, internally, we've always been a group of crazy people. That kind of <laughs> goes back to us just throwing out entire EPs and deleting entire albums worth of music. Like, we've always been incredibly critical of ourselves and almost to a fault, I would say. You know, I think some of the things we do to be are actually solid. We just get, like, you know, bored of them, sick of them. So we are very critical of ourselves and the music that we put out and... um I, we definitely not, never, ever would just put something out just for the sake of it. You know, if we don't believe in it, um, what's that, that was the thinking again with this album. Like, what's another year if it, that's what makes it good? You know, like, if, if it takes longer, it takes longer. But um, the, plan, the plan is to just kind of keep pushing as much as we can. And, and you, know, you know, so far, I think, I think that um, everything's going according to plan somewhat <laughs> um you got like i said you got to roll with the punches uh, things are always going to get thrown at you but we um we've kind of been able to maintain um a certain level of quality in our music and i think part of that is just being hypercritical um <laughs> you know in the studio uh anthony and ray they're, they're fantastic people by the way um but we, we drove them absolutely crazy <laughs> absolutely nuts over all the little Hey, you know, go to two minutes and 20 seconds. I hear a little, I think Ryan once he said that one of the songs had a, had a Star Wars noise and we spent (laughs) like 20 minutes, like, like, what are you listening to? And he's like, don't you hear it? Don't you hear it? He sounds like a crazy person. We're all just like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. We do that stuff all the time. And, um, credit to Anthony and Ray for, for dealing with our, um, special brand of of nuts <laughs> so but they're they're you know it's it's great because they're right here you know ray uh, plays drums in moon tooth um anthony is his partner at the studio westfall studios um and that's 
literally their recording studio is seven minutes from my house. So there's like, it's, I'm just truly lucky to have all this stuff around here. So, um, you know, we'll definitely be going back to them and, and working with them. The other thing that you guys are kind of crafted for and made for is the current, like, music industry, the way that it is now that it's all streaming and, you know, you need to rely on your merch to make money. You guys are kind of basically a set for that because you have your presence online, so your music's there online, but also you're very smart with your merch, you know, with your design backgrounds Mm -hmm. and graphic backgrounds. Your merch, and I mean this in a compliment, it doesn't look like a standard heavy music band T-shirt. Um, you mm-hmm. know, people, when they get a bit older, they don't want to wear the weird writing that you can't read with a skull and yeah. stuff. You know, it, your stuff looks mature. It looks like you could wear it and someone goes, oh, I've never heard of that design label. And then you're like, no, this is a band. Sure. Yeah. I think that's kind of the goal. Um, you know, we want almost, I would love the, the apparel to almost have its own legs and life behind it you know i think it it would be pretty cool if johnny booth was almost like it's a band it's also just an apparel you know almost separate from the music i think that's pretty cool that's something we've always liked you know we definitely um think of it almost like a like a mini um like its own little streetwear thing you know like almost independent from the band obviously it ties in we use elements from the music and you know, our video shoots and stuff like that in it. But yeah, we, we are very conscious of, we've always been very conscious of trying not to be overly metal. If that makes sense. Like even Mm. in the name Johnny Booth, like that is probably one of the least metal names (laughs) that you can get without it just being like full blown silly, which is probably on the border (laughs) of that, you know, Uh, we've always just didn't want it to be a metal band, but not come off like a metal band. Like I'd really love people to see the merch and see the album covers and be like, you know, super surprised by the sound of the music itself compared to everything else. You know, I think, I think that's, we've always talked about that, even when we were 19 doing this stuff. So it's always been like a factor on well, my thought it's, processes, you know. It's also really important because it shows that you take time into it because part of the industry, as I was just saying earlier, is that you now need to make your revenue off other things rather than selling physicals of your music. You can still sell physicals, but you're not very likely to shift a lot of physicals. So if you put your time and effort, like Johnny Booth does, into your merchandising, that's where you'll make your money. If you just throw shit together really lazy, not a lot of people are going to buy it. But as you said, it's kind of, in its own way, created a brand. So you've taken the time, so it will shift. And hopefully it is shifting. Hopefully you are moving sufficient amounts of merch. Yeah, yeah. We're we're doing, you know, better than we ever thought we would. And, and we're actually able to fund a lot of the things that we're talking about doing some more videos. Um, we're able to record completely through that stuff. So, you know, I, I'm just truly thankful for all the people that have been supporting us because it's um, been able to, to take a financial weight off our personal shoulders and actually be able to put and reinvest the money that we get back into it. Um, so that's been, that's been really amazing. And, and yeah, I think big thing is you gotta be nimble, man. You gotta be, you know, don't, don't buy And we've made this mistake. That's why we know we've, we've made every mistake that you possibly could. 
So we used to buy, you know, we would get one design and a lot of bands do this. You're like one or two designs that you always have. Right. And you buy like four or 500 of them at a time. (laughs) (laughs) The dumbest thing I've ever done was buying 400 shirts. I, 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 we just got rid of a bunch of them. You know, we had like this, this like blowout sale, um, a few months ago, like, like it's cause we, we had like these old designs. We just, you know, we were very, very stupid about, you know, the level of band that we were, you know, you're like, Oh, we always want to have t-shirts. So let's just have enough shirts forever, which is just, <laughs> um, you're not, you're not thinking about like no. <laughs> the investment and then return on investment and then reinvesting it back into the band. You know, like we had no concept of these things. So we learned, we basically learned by just completely fucking up. And that's I, it's something I, we laugh about all the time is just the, how inept we were when it comes to merch itself, like printing it, keeping inventory, shipping it. You know, we, we pretty much screwed all that stuff up. So, you know, thank you to everyone for sticking with us <laughs> and, and wa- kind of watching us uh, learn by error, honestly. Well, it's, it's neat. it needs to be done. Like, you have to make the errors. And, yeah, that, that is a classic one, though. Every band out there in their first stages has probably done that, you know, buy several hundred shirts. Sure. Um, and then they're sitting there with probably half of those several hundred still sitting there six years later. And they're like, are we ever going to get rid of these? Yeah, exactly. And then, like, that's money that you're sitting there. You, it, it burns, you know. It's um, a silly thing to do. Now, a couple other things I want to ask or touch on um, before we wrap things up. And one is um, it's kind of with goals in music. I think, you know, when you're starting out, I'd love to know what were your goals when the band started? What did you want to achieve? What were your aspirations to now with how exciting the times are for the band? What are your new goals now? coming into 2020? It's interesting because I think when we first started out, I don't think we had clear-cut goals. You know, it was just kind of like put the stuff out, keep rolling and keep progressing. And and, um, I don't think we realized, and it's something even in my personal life, when you don't have, you know, short and long-term goals, you're for sure not going to achieve them, right? Because you're not mm. realizing something that, that you, you haven't put a plan in place. So I think that was part of, you know, the learning process is, you know, there's a lot of um, um, ups and downs, I think, because of that. You know, we really didn't have a goal. Like, there, you have those dreams, right? But those aren't real goals. Like, you have the dream that everyone's going to listen to music. You have the dream that people are going to, you know, hear it and love it, and then it's going to take off, right? But, like, is that an actual goal? You know, like, hmm. the, what about the, how do you achieve that goal? You know, a dream and a goal are two different things. So now, um, the way that we look at everything is, is um, you know, we're going to do everything we possibly can to get as many people to see what we're doing or hear our music. So I, I, I know it sounds maybe kind of vague, but... Um, that's why we cut out certain things, you know, like we only have a certain budget, so I'm not going to invest that budget into things that are just there to validate me or stroke my ego in any way whatsoever. Like we've Mm. just thrown all that shit out the window. If it isn't, if it isn't to better the reach of the band, if it isn't to get more people to see what we're doing or to hear the music, then we do not do it. We don't participate in it and we just kind of just throw it out. Uh, that's really been the major 
driving force that I guess that the goal is to just get as many people to see or hear what we're doing. And I, it seems maybe a little silly, but when you use that to inform your decision, like if your goal is to get famous, you're going to, um, that's going to inform you to make slightly different decisions than we've made. Mm. And, and I think that that's not the goal. The goal is to, you know, I want you to hear my music. So what do I have to do to get as many people to hear my music? And that's why we made the decisions to go digital. That's why we made the decisions to not invest money into a label, you know, owing money back to a label or, you know, and, and doing a lot of stuff on our, on our own and investing in, in actual advertisements and teaching ourselves how to do these things. Cause that all, you know, goes back to that one goal. You know, everything else is, is bullshit in my eyes. You know, I, I yeah. don't need my ego to be stroked. I don't need the validation. I just want you to hear it and to see what we're doing. And then hopefully everything else kind of follows after that. Um, and so far it's been working. Uh, I don't know if that's something that could like you do that for 10 years or maybe it shifts to something else. But right now it's, in my opinion, it's been working and it's been fun for us. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That's what uh, I think. (laughs) I think that's sick. Um, what about with, um, what about lyrics for you with writing lyrics? You know, Mm -hmm. you look at stuff like on firsthand accounts and, uh, I mean, it as a big compliment. It feels raw. Um, it feels, Mm -hmm. you know, intense, personal, um, emotive, aggressive, you know, it feels, feels real. Um, do you find Mm -hmm. writing lyrics something that's easy to do? Um, and then secondly, um, are you ever nervous when you are really opening yourself up, um, on a song? Um, lyrics, I think it kind of ebbs and flows, man. I think I go through periods where it's super easy for me to like write a bunch of stuff down. Um, I go through times where it's a little harder for me. It kind of depends on what I'm writing about, I guess. Um, in all of the songs, you definitely get a little piece of like my internal rage and, and all, you know, everything that's going on in the States. I write a lot about politics. I'm not going to lie. I try not to be super upfront and I don't want to turn people off if they feel differently than me. Um, so I'm not like super, you know, in your face about it, but, a lot of the songs are about either something personally happening to me or about, you know, the grand scheme of, of, you know, what the hell's going on over here. <laughs> mm. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird time. And I think that's kind of, cause some of these songs you wrote like during the election too. So I think that that kind of played into it too. Like asymmetrical is, you know, for sure about the, like we wrote that during the election, you know, so that mm. it, it plays a big part. We do try to think of like overarching, um, themes, thing, things that are kind of like about society as a whole. And then I always kind of throw in stuff about me and what's going on with me. And, and it, back in the day, I was very rigid. Connections, Bronze Age, Sagwa, everything we've written before, and I was super rigid. We were all collectively as a group of people like, this is my instrument. This is that I'm writing it. This is my thing and has to represent me. And for the first time, firsthand accounts, we all we're so much more open. We let go of a lot of that shit. And, you know, I, I've allowed, you know, my guitarists and people to, to suggest things and, and full blown write some parts too, and, and collaborate in ways that we've never have before. And it's been, um, opening for me to just not be such like a, um, you know, hard person to work with. And, and, um, like even like, um, 
Thief, particularly, I was actually away when Adam and Ryan wrote that, that song. And um, they sent me a demo. We're always demoing constantly. And um, they sent me a demo, and Ryan wrote the first, you know, I would say like the first third of that song, like completely. Like he was screaming on it. Like him and Ron, him and Adam wrote the vocals, like the actual lyrics. And back in the day, I would have been like, "That's great," but I'm gonna throw it all away because it's not me. And I think I finally became more comfortable with every the entire band representing all of us. So um, those lyrics are still in there. And then I wrote the other parts of the song, and and you know partially with them as well. So um, I think it has like that unique vibe, and that's why I kind of like has a certain feel and then it opens up in a different way because it really is it's like other people writing part of it then me writing it and then all of us kind of writing it together um so just me being open to the collaboration and i think that part of it just comes with being older an older person and not being so uh rigid i guess um i really want the band to everyone to be happy with all of it want it to represent all of us because um, when that happens, everyone feels more passionate about it. Mm. Maybe that's part of the reason why I thought things fell apart before is, you know, everyone's so focused on what they were doing and their part, you know, and it's not, you know, it's, we all got to row this boat together. You know, if everyone's mm. doing their own thing off rhythm, you know, you're just going to go in circles. And that's kind of what we did for a while, you know, in, in hindsight. So I, I want everyone to just be happy with it. I don't want to be that that person it's also just emotionally taxing to be that guy you know mm. everything has to represent me and i have to be in control like it's fucking tiring man and i'm just i'm i'm open to just being different for the first time like just hey maybe i'm wrong about everything and and you know i i need to be open to that you you saying about um you know the state of the world um from an australian looking inside to america um, where Australia in itself is, you know, all Aussies listening, we're a fucked up country in ourselves um, with what we do, but what the fuck is going on with your country? Like, <laughs> like seriously. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's um, the death of reason. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's really, it's truly interesting to like live through it, especially because I'm a little older. You know, and, and I went through Bush, through Obama, and then into now. It's very interesting to see, like, um, how short people's memories are, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. But, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, policies that come up now, and you're like, uh, we saw what happens with this. But, you know, like I said, I don't like to get overly political um, publicly. I Everyone who knows me, they know I can be super passionate about this stuff, and to the point where I almost come off just furious all the time. <laughs> um, and it's hard not to be. I was literally in the car over here listening to a political podcast, just like cursing in my car. It's like, what the fuck? You know, so I, you're not alone, man. You know, we, a lot of us feel the same way. And, you know, if, if someone feels differently than me, I, I think as long as you have actual beliefs, that's the biggest thing for me, man. I just, you don't have to agree with me. We don't have to agree on anything. I can still be your friend. I could be friends with anyone, but just have thoughts, like have an opinion about things and, and, and have it be informed by objective truth. I think yeah. that's, that's in, important. You know, it's okay if you want to believe in federalism or, you know, right-wing anything. 
that's all fine with me. It's just when it when there's no actual beliefs or substance or, you know, it's just all anti, I think that we live in a weird time where, like, you have a lot of people going out there and they're just being trolls and that, that governs their entire thinking and, and, you know, their ability, their, their right and wrong is just about, like, does it make a, this certain group of people upset? Then it's good. You know, I think that's kind of where we're at right now and I hope it's passing. Uh, this could be the dawn of a new era, or it could be the fleeting last stitch effort of a of a generation. I don't I don't really know. It's 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 going to be one of those things where we look back and 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 we'll truly be able to understand like what what this means. Hmm. But I think it's a very important time for sure. Um, just for polit- politics, for social media, all that stuff, man. It all ties in. Well, I think um, you hit you something know, really on the head there. You, you know, one of my biggest things that you said that I stick by is I say the exact same thing. I don't understand where we went wrong and took a turn where we can't have a discussion anymore, an emphasis on discussion. You know, if you can sit there and tell and say your opinion but have it grounded in, you know, a sense of fact and you know, non-fiction, and you can listen to my point of view and we can have a discussion and we don't have to end up changing our minds and opinions, but we can have an open discussion. But if you're going to sit there and just berate me and call me names because I don't think the way you think, then that's where we're going wrong. We need to be able to just all get together and, and talk because sometimes I'll think one way and you tell me another thing and if it's grounded in fact and actual reason i might be able to sway i'm probably not going to sway but i am willing to listen because nowadays it's not it's like someone says that's red the other person goes fuck off that's blue shut up like uh, okay yeah okay. yeah that's kind of the weird time we live in right now and i i hope it's again i hope it's like a fleeting thing you know i don't care if you feel differently we can still be close friends and get a beer and hang out you know i think it's important to be open to other people's views but um when it's not based in like objective truth or reality like what are we even i don't even you know go into it you can't change people's minds you know i'm not if i have a a political discussion with someone i'm not trying to change your mind and and i hope that they're not trying to change mine because i think we live in a time where like that's just not going to happen right now and that's okay but just you know stay grounded and and keep your wits about you and um you know just as long as you don't believe that certain groups of people are lesser and that hmm. we're not all equal you know that's the big thing for me it's when when you can have a different opinion but when it gets to bigotry and hatred that's it's like devolved of all fact and reason like there's there's nowhere I don't even know if it's worth having the conversation at that point, you know? No, exactly. The only the only last thing I want to say on that political stuff, because, you know, we won't, I don't want to wind you up and get you angry at the end of this um, <laughs> epic chat, is... You're just pacing in my room after this. Yeah, you're just staring at a corner going, fuck. Um, is <laughs> what did a, I say? <laughs> my reaction, my honest reaction when I heard who's in power was I did think, go home, America, you're drunk. That's the only thing I thought. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Everyone joked that he could get in power. Um, the other problem is someone needs to kick the idiot off Twitter. Like, seriously, like, oh, my God. We don't get much news here, but I just hear about him on Twitter, and that's just, oh, my God. Um, 
Yeah, it's got to be interesting for you not being here, but, yeah. you know, the way that the news and social, like, we're all connected, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Australia and America, we have, like, a unique relationship, and I think the cultures are not the same, obviously, but I think we're very similar, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. One, last thing I want to ask before we get into the wrap-up of the show is sure. a simple one, maybe. Uh, nowadays, a lot of people like to label things when it comes to music. You know, they want to get on Spotify and search a genre. They want that tag because that tag is how they deem whether it's in their likes or listens and if they'll get into it. If someone came to you and said, right, what's Johnny Booth? What would you say? Um, that's something we've always struggled with because I don't think, like, we don't go into it thinking about it, like, literally at all. It's not a conversation that we have, really, like, ever. So um, a lot of it's just come from, like, other people labeling us. And, and you know, I, I see why people do it, and, and you know, because you want to reach a certain group of people who are already listening to bands that are similar, right? So I, I, I get the, the reasoning behind it, but um, I, you know, we actively, you know, we really don't try to, to think about genres or, or music in that way. Like, I, I just a, a fan of music, and um, we just like writing angry, heavy, aggressive stuff. Mm. But um, I think what I've heard a lot and what I guess would make the most sense is, is I guess we were kind of in the metalcore area. I think for the longest time, I always thought metalcore was like trivium, you know? And I was like, <laughs> we're definitely not metalcore-wise. Everyone keeps saying that. But I guess, you know, genres like the, they change. It's fluid, like culture, right? You know, the what is metalcore today may not be what metalcore is tomorrow. Post-hardcore has shifted. And, and even just what we call hardcore. You know, like '80s hardcore was hardcore. Now it's just now it's just punk rock. You mm -hmm. know, when '90s hardcore came out, what what's considered hardcore changed. You know, um, so it's not something I put any stock into, but I feel like that's we're like in the metal, metalcore, post-hardcore yeah. thing. You know, we like a lot of like Norma Jean, early Chariot stuff. So I feel like that definitely plays in. I I, I would put that stuff in the post-hardcore, but. If you look at post hardcore on Instagram, it's mostly just like Russian techno. So I don't. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about it all. You know, I'm I'm totally open to just being wrong about it. Um, right. What we're gonna do, uh, brother, is we're gonna finish off the chat like I do with everyone, and it's a little thing called pick your poison. What I do is I give you two options and. You pick your favorite of the two. Basically, we're finding out what okay. really makes Andrew tick. You know, if he had a life choice, oh, no. <laughs> if he had a life choice of one or the other, which would he go down and pick? Okay. Okay. Now, would you rather go a pizza or a burger? Oh, burger. Okay. Would you rather go Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Um, I feel like Indian. I actually live in a predominantly Indian neighborhood. There's a lot of good Indian food here. I, nice. I genuinely love it. Soft taco or hard taco? Soft. Mm. <laughs> Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Crunchy, for sure. Coffee or tea? Mmm. So I've recently started drinking coffee again, so I'm probably going to say coffee. 
Um, but this is a recent thing. I stopped drinking coffee for like nine years and uh, recently started again. Would you rather cook at home or dine out? I genuinely like going out to a restaurant and like having a drink. I, I just, I like it. Nice. Um, are you a beer or a spirits person? I, I, there's something about drinking a cold beer in like a hot, like day, like during the day. That's mm-hmm. just so appealing to me for some reason. Um, now this one a bit difficult cause where you're from, you, you get a lot of seasons. So would you rather go to the beach or go to the snow? <laughs> this is hard cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm spoiled. You know, we grew up 10 minutes from the beach, from Jones beach. Um, so I think I maybe took it for granted. We do get a lot of snow here too, but, um, I like to ski, so I'd probably pick the, uh, snow. Hmm. Um, are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, can't, can't do the cat thing. Yeah, I'm the same, unfortunately. Got three dogs, so clearly I do like them. Um, <laughs> Terminator or Predator? Um, I'm going to say Terminator out of spite because Predator is pretty much the only Halloween costume I can do because of the dreads, so <laughs> uh, Terminator. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Oh, Rambo. Okay. Uh, South Park or Simpsons? Um, I'm going to say South Park. Nice. Um, Slayer or Pantera? I know you're not much of a metalhead, but there's a few. few yeah, but pa- Pantera for sure. We listen during connections. We listen to Pantera the entire time, and I kind of fell in love with that. You know, the thrash of it. Um, Converge or Dillinger Escape Plan? Oh man. That's this is a, a really one. hard one, but I think my first love of the genre was Dillinger Escape Plan, so I got to roll with it. Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Oh, man, you know what? I I was always not into metal, so I wasn't into Metallica, and I almost liked Megadeth out of spite, so I'm going to roll with Megadeth. <laughs> um, offspring... Or Green Day? Mm, I think I think maybe Offspring, unless you're talking Green Day, like Dookie only. I'm talking Dookie only. Dookie only. All right, Green Day. Okay. Uh, Lagwagon or No Effects? No Effects. Okay, nice. Uh, Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Now, last few. Would you, when you play a show, rather see stage dives going on or mic grabs going on? Ooh, mic grabs, man. Please, sing the words. <laughs> yeah, saves you doing it. So, yeah, it makes, makes it easy. Yeah. Plus, I, I, ge- I know that you're genuinely into it. The worst part when you're playing a show, you look out and you're like, are you, are you guys into this or, or not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you go to watch a show, do you like to watch it from the middle of the pit? or from up the back at the sound desk? Mm, I think it depends on the band. You know, I'm definitely a in-the-crowd person for the most part. But if it's like a real musician band, then I want to hang in the back and like really, truly absorb it. Okay. Um, would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? Record music. 
And last one, you again, you are being given your all-time favorite album. Would you rather have it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? On my phone. Bang. I'm that guy. <laughs> um, Andrew, thank you so very much, dude. Really, really, really appreciate this, man. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you listening, supporting, um, and, and asking me to be on this. It's it's pretty awesome. And again, thank you for just listening and supporting it and keep doing your thing, man. Just keep, keep rolling with it. You know, again, the technology you have, you, you can really do something with this. You know, it, it wasn't a possibility years ago, but, um, you can do your own thing like this. It's pretty fucking cool.
So that was my chat with Andrew of Johnny Booth, and at the end there you heard the band's tracks Thief, Bury the Rose, and Fever Dreams. All of those come off the band's most recent album, First Hand Accounts. Now's the time of the show where I spark that interest, I spark that little thing inside you to support the band that's just been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music, if you enjoyed the conversation, get online, download, stream, do whatever you got to do, support Johnny Booth. 
If you like physical stuff, I don't think there is any, but there is merchandise. So if you want some of that, make sure you get on their Facebook, their big cartel, whatever you got to do, buy a shirt, buy a hat, buy a jumper, whatever it is, do that. If you're lucky enough to be somewhere where Johnny Booth is playing, also get out, get to the show, show some love to Andrew and the boys. The other thing I got to say is again, thank you so very much, Andrew. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Looking forward to doing another one very, very soon. And that's it. That's the Moshstone episode 98 done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.